Blog Talk Radio. Dog, how you been, bro? 
I've been hanging in there, hanging in there, checking things out, watching the vlogs for anything, Bigfoot sightings, but I haven't really seen anything other than hearing about something in Glens Falls uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's it. Yep. I was up in uh, Queensbury, not too far from uh, where my research area is, so very interesting time there, I must say. But uh, onward and upward, uh, we got quite a show for you tonight. Tonight's discussion is going to be an open mic night. So uh, make sure you all give us a call, 347-996-5800. We have questions in the chat room. Please um, please uh, just make sure they're in caps. I'm going to send the numbers out and stuff here in a second. Come on. There we go. So there we go. <coughs> but anyway... Uh, Steve, let me uh, let me put a little aside uh, to the sightings in Glens Falls, the activity up there. If you go west of Glens Falls, uh, there's over 900 square miles, 900 square miles of pure wilderness, perfect area, perfect area for uh, yep. our, our hairy folk. Oh, absolutely, and of course. We have six million acres of Adirondack State Park up there, and it's uh, just tremendous. It's uh, one of the biggest areas in the country, one of the biggest refuges you can have up there of nothing but straight forest. Uh, let me... Uh... <laughs> Jack Hartway has a question for the panel. Where do babies come from? Well, JC, that's an easy one. The stork. Uh <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, um, let's uh, get into what we were uh, talking about last week, which was Mr. Mike. I have a couple of quick follow-ups um, to that. Um, a couple of posts from uh, Pueblo Paranormal. Uh, it's off the Tucson Observer, and uh, or the yeah Tucson Observer, I believe. Um, she's a blogger for. Uh, that particular organization out of Colorado, and as we were doing the show last week, there was a post she put up about the case of disappearing Bigfoot Facebook statuses, and um, she was commenting, and she had picked up the Mr. Mike story, um, and what, what had occurred in Blue Tracker, I'll get to that question right after I get done with a little diatribe here, um, but she ended up noticing, and it was written by Sherilyn Gardner-Strong. says, uh, earlier today I wrote about a new, new page on Facebook that states it's dedicated to researching Bigfoot sightings. Established last week, it aims to further Bigfoot Sasquatch sightings with daily live updates. On two different occasions today, at least two of the pages' live status updates were mysteriously deleted. And those were the Mr. Michael... Those were the Mr. Mike status updates. And the second status update said that I've been asked by Land Lampshire host of Overnight AM to remove my update until after Monday night's broadcast. Uh, Strong goes on to state this post was deleted in favor of a link to Land Lampshire's show. The dramatic teaser to the show was here. Uh, so much for live daily updates. Two different paranormal outlets, news outlets besides myself, posted the news today. Mr. Mike was just seeing things based on publicly <clears throat> viewable posts that have been proven to be elusive as Bigfoot. I support the research and community at large, and I also support the media. Status updates reported by the media are mysteriously removed in favor of sensationalism. I do take offense. Enough said. So that, as they say, is that. So while we were... <coughs> reporting on those Facebook statuses had actually been removed um, in favor of saving it for that Monday night show. Um, I understand that on July 12th, which was last Monday night, uh, Lamb Lamphere had a show where he revealed that Mr. Mike was suffering from dementia, which we discussed quite quite uh, quite thoroughly on the panel last week that if you have dementia, you don't lie about what you see. It seems like there was a lot of lies thrown in there or stories. Um, but apparently, July 13th, Strong wrote again about the final saga of it, and it said that... I Now, I didn't listen to the that show. If anybody did, please call in. Let us know what they heard exactly. 
because I'd love to hear what was said. But according to the uh, the next article, it stated, uh, let's see, uh, first off, Lamphere made it clear that he did not direct anyone to delete Facebook statuses. Well, that was directly in contradiction to the last Facebook status. Instead, there is an agreement within the BFRO that only Bigfoot blogger Sharon Lee is designated by Lamphere to provide scoops regarding the Mr. Mike Zaga on her blog. Um... But according to Lamphere's own post the week before, the BFRO was out. So I don't know where that comes from. Um, but anyway, apparently, uh, several listeners, uh, she didn't get to listen to the first few minutes of the show because she had a problem with her computer, but apparently a few minutes before Lamphere's show was scheduled to begin last night, I tried to get the live feed on my laptop. Despite several downloads and installations, I could not get audio feed. I was able to see the listener chat window. I followed the chat while I tried to access the audio. Several listeners were chatting about Lam Lamphere's profanity-filled rant related to his disdain of Lauren Coleman. Lauren Coleman, for those who don't know, is a cryptozoologist who writes the website Cryptomundo. Uh, excuse me, writes for the website, Cryptomundo. Coleman had reported the initial Facebook status is in question on this blog. Um, last week, the story of Mr. Mike quickly began multiplying, blah, blah, blah. Again, she, she goes in to talk about her, the, how the status updates were deleted, coupled with the sensationalism. And... Uh, Uh, according to uh, Sharon Lee, uh, uh, Lan wants us all to go away. He doesn't care if we listen to his show ever again. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, that's too bad. But uh, I don't know, folks. Uh, and Ted, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer this over to Ted. What's, what's your thoughts on that comment? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, I have none. To be honest, I that's being perfectly honest. I mean, <laughs> I I really don't know what to say, Stevie. I really don't. You know, yeah. uh, I'm, well, I'm not page. I just don't know what to say about that. Okay, certainly, certainly, our good friend. Uh, from the Bigfoot Real Field Reporter, has uh, her blog is at the uh, www.thebigfootfieldreporter.com. Right. Um, and she has a statement from Land that she would like to pass on to you, the Bigfoot community. The reports of Mr. Mike's encounters with Bigfoot have been highly exaggerated and over-exaggerated, not on the part of overnight AM, but on the part of Mr. Mike. That's fair. I agree. He is suffering from a form of dementia. Well, that, that needs to be diagnosed by a psychologist, not by a Bigfoot researcher nor a radio show host. Uh, I have reasons to believe he's not forming from dementia, but rather loneliness. But that's my opinion, and the dementia is actually Mr. Lanfear's opinion. Now, this according to the researchers that were there. Again, the researchers are not trained psychologists, and it takes more than just... Uh, one sitting to, to determine dementia, you know. If he's, seeing, if he's seeing Bigfoot in his living room, then that would be dementia. But seeing <laughs> out on the lawn from his living room, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it depends upon what area he lives in, too, Steve. You know, I mean, they can even go into uh, the suburbs. So it's, you, you, you never know. You can't discredit it. But then you got to take what he says word by word and break that down and see if one contradicts the other, and, and it does if you break it down. Uh, yes, he might be just someone who wants attention. Right. Now, let me get more into uh, what's said here. It says, uh, I was not there. I only have the Bigfoot community and the researchers inside of it and their integrity and moral compass to go on. That's all I have. That's all anyone who listens to this program has. But there's more to this story than just hallucinations or chain of events that have led to him reaching out to this radio show and to a UFO magazine. There's more than, to it than meets the eye. And I think 
the story falls within the realm of the pretentious and mean nature of the Bigfoot community as a whole, rather than falling back to Mr. Mike's alleged mental illness, hallucinations, or instability. Okay. Now, now here we have a different track. Is he mentally unstable? Is he hallucinating? Or is he unstable? unstable? Um, you know, again, he, he's trying to blanket it. What I think happened there is, is that... Um, that, that, that for the short term, I, I think that he probably got his heart in this a little more than he should have. And we've all been there, trust me. <laughs> but um, uh, overnight, and the blog goes on to say, overnight AM did not make any claims that this event was real. Mr. Mike's opinion and testimony was confessed on overnight AM in his own words. But I will say this. Land Lanfear said, quote, unquote, six or so minutes after the telephone poll story that he believed Mr. Mike. That's okay. You can believe somebody. But, again, it, it all goes back to what it is. Did Land hire a private investigator? Yes. Did the private investigator discover any negative information about Mr. Mike? No. Did, Mr. Did the Bigfoot community attack and shred the story as the witness told it? Yes. Um, do you trust any Bigfoot research group is going to tell you the truth about what they found on the property, even when the people in this field turn on each other every day? Uh, those are very interesting questions. That's a matter of jealousy between groups, Dave. Well, and that, that's my Mr. Mike update. I mean, it does pose some very interesting questions. <clears throat> do we expect them to tell the truth? Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, if there was something going on there, like the illusion that Lampsphere is trying to make now, that there's really something going, even though this man has dementia, there's something going on. You know, I, I don't know. And there's a good reason why he wants us to go away. <laughs> but as far as a, a group of Bigfoot researchers, how, how the, the tune has changed from, you know, calling the researchers that went there, saying that they debunked it, and, you know, basically they, they redeemed the Bigfoot community because they debunked the case. I, I don't get it. I don't see that. But <laughs> something, something's amiss, then. Something is well, amiss. It's called, um, you know, it, it's, it's called basically, you know, you, you got too close to a story, and you got called on it. And a lot of us in the Bigfoot community, you know, should have, you know, should he have interviewed this guy with somebody? I, I don't know. Everybody does things things differently. I'd say it is what it is. I wouldn't have gotten all that bent out of shape over that. Uh, I, I didn't see personally where people attacked Lamb Fear all that much other than that he was trying to sensationalize it, and I think some of his actions brought it on himself. But that's for the public to determine, not me. Now, this is the perfect lead-in for our discussion tonight. Uh, back in January of 2008, I, I spoke with John Green on Squatch Checker Radio. <coughs> um, excuse me, January of 07. <laughs> Not a way. Wow. <laughs> and I think, I think, who is that? No, hold on a second. Let me mute those dogs out. Hold on. All right. Um, I did interview John Green, and uh, I, I spoke to that point about the media, why it's been so negative on Sasquatch. And John's comment to me, and I remember it clearly as anything, that it seems like they've picked up where the scientists have left, where now we get more scientists posing more interest in this. <clears throat> Conversely, the media seem to attack, you know, the, the whole field as some kind of bait, almost. And it's depending on what venue you go to. Some venues use it for sensationalism. Some venues use it to, to pick on folks. CNN did a piece on the latest thing, which was down in uh, North Carolina over that one dude that had the sighting and shoot it away, and obviously he sounded drunk on the thing, but they devoted a piece to it and kind of mocked it, you know. 
I, I don't know. It's, it leaves me quite um, confused. Let me uh, get Ted back on. Are we back on, Ted? Yeah, not only are, cause you hear, okay. the dogs are barking at something outside. I don't know what the heck they're barking at, but if you can put up with that. The guy in North Carolina, uh, up in the mountains there, I think he was hitting a little bit too much of the white lightning. You know, I think he wanted to be a real uh, hero. He shoot it away with a stick. You know, a 10-foot albino Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. If I was a 10-foot albino Sasquatch, I'd just look at him, turn around, and walk away, whether he was shooing me or not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, it's, <laughs> I mean, a guy like that has hit the sauce a little bit one too many times, and uh, maybe it was, uh, uh, wasn't was a white one. Maybe it was a brown one, but he, he might be so lit, it might be white to him. You never know. But he's, he looked like he was lit anyway, and the, the sensationalism is, the way CNN put it out there is to debunk it anyway. Now look at, uh, for example, Monster Quest. Okay, let's 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 go for Monster Quest right now. Monster right. Quest. What they do? They instill fear. These are monsters. These are something unknown, something to be feared. I don't go that route. I'm sorry, I don't go that route. Yeah. That that's the popularity of the show. And in other words, they're not debunking it, they're not confirming it, nor denying it. CNN is just de- just making a really making you know making a joke out of it. You know, it's it's all in the perception of how how it comes across and how you perceive it. If you got to read between the lines on 99% of this stuff, you know. So the guy in North Carolina. I, uh, I, I don't doubt that he saw one. I don't doubt that at all. There's, there's plenty of sightings over there in western North Carolina. But uh, as far as him shooing it away with a stick, no, nah, I'm sorry. I can't go that route. <laughs> well, that's, just my, that's, my, that's my opinion. You know what opinions are. Uh, you know, Grasshopper makes a good point. He says people got to stop announcing things ahead of time. And, and that's true. I mean, you know, Lamphere brought it on because this guy made a claim, and he brought him out of obscurity into the public. Um, he didn't take a known story and bring it. You know, uh, you know. I, I know some people uh, had made a, a reference to it being similar to, like, Georgia. But in Georgia, they were putting this story out there, and it was well circulated before I ever had them, the one and only time before the hoax was exposed to have dire exposed the story. So that story was already out there. And uh, actually, I came across it on Cryptomundo. <laughs> um, and that's how I said, what? And, of course, they, they responded because uh, I was starting to get some, some things back that did not make sense. But that's neither here nor there. That's old news. But this story, here's a guy from obscurity. Why not keep it quiet, send the investigators out quietly, bring them back, and then if there's a story tell the story. I, I think there he kind of jumped it a bit. So, and that's sometimes, you know, where a show jumps the shark. You know, it, it just, <clears throat> it, and it did. Um, had he said, let me investigate it first, and he even states in one of his blogs, Lamphere does, that he turned, he, this put him in, in the place of an investigator. But then in a the later post, he says, well, I only have what the, the, the researchers there said. Well, if you're going to be an investigator, be an investigator, uh, and I guess that's that's you know, if you don't know where to draw the line or how to draw the line, then you know, have it investigated before you bring it on your show. I mean, or just bring a show and say, well, this is what the person's saying, and that's that. You know, I'm not going to investigate it. If somebody wants to, have at it, and we'll bring you the updates. You know, well, I'll be on- Steve, you're right. I'll be honest with you, you're right. It's uh, a responsible researcher or experiencer, people who've seen the Sasquatch, uh, would keep it quiet, and the responsible ones. The ones that are looking for a quick name will bring it right, right to the service without really doing any background before they do it. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, 
I don't know. Mad Dog, you're awfully quiet over there. You're you're kind of a guy that sits on the sideline and looks from an outsider. What's your thoughts? <clears throat> I you know I I agree with with uh, with both you guys. You you know if you can if you see something, whether it be I don't know, it doesn't have to be Sasquatch. It could be anything, and you're not sure what it is. You keep it to yourself, and you and you go and you say to somebody who I think I saw this. Can you take it out or you know, you just don't go around telling um, CNN, NBC, and MSNBC, oh, gee, I saw a giant green monster, and, you know, they're going to laugh you, laugh you to death. They're going to make fun of you. You don't do that. <laughs> Case in point, North Carolina. <laughs> um, right. You know, I, I, I still don't know what that guy was thinking by making that public. Maybe it's because it was 911 and people were knocking at his door, you know, I, I I don't know. If somebody, if I had seen a, a squatch, and I was out of obscurity, and somebody came knocking at my door and said, "Hey, we want you to tell us about it." Um, no comment right now. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna pass it off to some people who can research it. But, you know, everybody's looking for their 15 minutes. I guess I don't know. Um, uh, you know. Yeah. It, it, I mean, definitely, it gives us as you know, as myself as a broadcaster. Uh, it definitely gives me a little more insight to things. I mean, I had the grand insight a couple of years ago, and one of the biggest things and one of the biggest mistakes, you know, for example, and Lamphere did this, where he did not go out to the scene himself to take care of business. Never leave an investigation to somebody else. You know, at that point, you know, that, that's one big lesson. I don't shelf out or try not to shelf out and say, hey, have a guy on a show and then say, okay, you want to take care, you want to handle it? No, not unless they're one of my folks, um, for obvious reasons, because um, you don't know what the real truth is. And, you know, the, the people that are telling the story could be telling you one thing and something else could be completely happening as well. And, and that's a good point, you know, I think Sharon Lee kind of brings up. Well, Steve, let me, let me tell you something. When you know where my experience of researching began, correct? Yep. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. And we were both there that night. And did, did we broadcast it to the nation? No. What did we do? I followed up on it for the next two and a half weeks. Do you remember what happened on that Wednesday afternoon? Oh, absolutely. When I jumped one? Yep. Who did I call? I didn't call CNN. I called you. Yep. I that called you directly. That's what you do. You know, even though I had no experience in it, at least I knew the proper procedure. Call someone who knows, who has more experience. You know what I'm saying? That's the way it should be done. Whew. And he was only like right. 30 feet away. Yep. <laughs> let me, uh, let me, uh, uh, I don't know if anybody saw this, but uh, there were some uh, media relations tips. And I, I know we got a lot of anti-media going on here. And, and, you know, I have been in the newspaper before, way back in 03. And it was actually a pretty down-the-line article. And there are certain ways you can, you can stave off some of it, not necessarily all of it. I mean, nothing is going to stop a reporter from skewing a story the way they want to. But the big thing you have to do is you have to watch your six and make sure that, um, you know, you know, make sure you're, uh, know who you're dealing with. And these are some media tips. And uh, let me go over those. Okay, you get a call from the media. Make sure you write down the reporter's name, media outlet, phone number, and ask what the story deadline is. Don't try to rush them. Don't let them rush you. If they try to rush you for an interview, immediate interview or comment, politely ask them about the topic and offer to call them back and be conscious of their, conscious of their deadline. <clears throat> Do research on the reporter. See if they've written a similar article and how it was handled. See if they write down the line, unbiased articles or sensational only, with a flair for cynicism. In other words, uh, I remember a few years back getting in it with Dwayne Walden, who always liked to, of the Moultrie Observer, who liked to needle Bigfoot research. I mean, I wouldn't sit and have an interview with him because he's going to skew it. 
you know, to his own opinion. Unfortunately, uh, media is supposed to be unbiased, but a lot of times they throw their cynicism in it. I'll get to some examples. Ask, um, ask how the story, what the story will be about, and how the interview will be used. This is key to seeing if this is a genuine article versus one written for entertainment or parody. You know, if they call you up and say, well, we'd like to know about your Bigfoot research. Well, what, you know, what are you including this into? You know, well, we're, we're doing a little piece on the guy in North Carolina, and we just wanted to know what, you know, boom, you know something's wrong there. If TV or radio is calling, inquire about the interview format, live, taped, etc. And, and the next thing is the preparation. Uh, take a few minutes to write down your brief messages you want to convey. This will give you a, ba a, gaze, a, a baseline and a game plan of how to deal with media. Avoid technical jargon. Use layman's terms. Remember to speak their language. You know, terms such as infrasound, tree knocking are a lot better explained by using predicates or explaining it before saying the term. Make sure your points are clear and succinct. Don't inflame claims or try to be cavalier. Um, I remember many, many, uh, a few years back, Matt Moneymaker said something, and I think it was kind of a slip of a tongue about having good evidence. And the reporter on TV said, well, why don't you show us some of that good evidence? And he says, well, we, we haven't got it yet. I, I think what he meant to say was he was going to get good evidence. And they said, we haven't got it yet. And that started even the crew laughing, and it just turned the whole interview upside down. And it turned out to be a joke. They really, you know, were nasty. Um, be ready to support your message with a few examples and facts. You know, I, I can't explain how many times that the Ray Wallace story uh, of, you know, finding these car footprints in his garage got got mixed up with the Patterson-Gimlin film. I've caught ABC doing that in an article once, saying that, no, people who film that film, you know, they, they basically say, oh, well, it came out that the, you know, the family of the, the people that filmed that, you know, found out that it was fake. And no, they would confuse one story with another. So you need to set the record straight on certain things sometimes if it comes up in the conversation. Keep in mind what the public needs to know and how the topic impacts people's lives. Understand the confidential. Excuse me. Understand the confidentiality of your witnesses and your own family. Um, okay, hang on, folks. We got a caller. I'm going to throw the caller on real quick. <clears throat> caller from the 607 area code. You're on Squatch Detector Radio. Hello. Hello, 607. You're on the air. Oh hi, this is Tim. Hey Tim, how are you? Basically, I, you know, basically I was just listening to your show through the telephone. I wasn't really going to get on the air, but I was surprised when you said six oh seven. I saw you. I saw you guys on Facebook. I saw you guys on Facebook, so I said, "Oh, Steve." So, so I was using the phone to uh, listen to your show. Well, hello Tim. How's things down there in the middle New York? Uh, nothing. Nothing. We we really haven't been out because my daughter just had a baby. Oh, well, and uh Yeah, I know, I can't believe it. But it's been it's been very hot very hot down here. It's up maybe up you're not too far from us. Maybe what, a hundred miles? But yeah, it's been very yeah, it's been very humid down here, so we really haven't been out and I'm catching up on some other things, but I'm looking more for the winter time than summertime. So that's what I'm gearing up to do. All right, brother, I'll put you back on hold so you can listen in. But Yeah, i got to listen to your show. I'm sorry I interrupt like that. I didn't know. <laughs> no, no, my fault. I, I noticed the hand wasn't up. Sometimes I go for the number before I see the hand. So, sorry about well, that. Well, I'm a grandpa myself now, so the eyesight must, must be getting a little narrow there, you know? That's right. All right. All right, Steve, uh, nice talking to you. All right, you too. I'm going to put you back on hold. And that's uh, Tim Holmes from Elmira Bigfoot Watch. <laughs> and... Um, He's listening in on the line. So, getting back to the program, and uh, please understand, I don't have my chat room up right now, so if there's a question, I will get to it. 
Um, where was I, folks? Mad Dog, where the heck am I? <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, how to handle the media. I know, I know, I know. I'm just teasing. I'm, I'm in the... Making I'm sure I'm awake, speaking. weren't you? <laughs> you never know. <clears throat> um, hey, if you hear me snoring, you'll know I'm asleep. That's right. Um, that's right. The one thing that uh, when you do meet with a reporter, and this is very important, I can't stress this enough, assume everything is on the record. Even when they say off the record, assume that it's really on the record. Um, speak with authority, speak with energy, uh, particularly if you're on TV or radio. Uh, always state your position in positive terms, uh, even if the reporter's questions turn negative or sound loaded. Uh, you know, fa you know, faith is a positive argument amongst the negative. Always remember that when talking to reporters. Um, somebody asked me, "Well, there's been so many hoaxes." Yes, that's true, but there's been so many cases that have been unclassified or undetermined that are just rock solid, citing police officers, scientists, you know, public officials, park officials, stuff like that. Keep take them off the track of negative put it back positive. Very important to do that. If the reporter, again, if the questions veer off track, politely steer the interview back to your message. You know, one example that I like to use, and, and they've asked me that <clears throat> back in 03, you know, and the question was, well, do you believe in UFOs or ghosts? I always politely say, even though I may have some knowledge, and yes, I used to be a UFO investigator a long time ago, uh, I just say that that topic's really not my expertise, and I don't really want to comment on that at this point in time. That statement in of itself will never show up in an article. They just won't cover it, you know? Um, so that that's really important, because the, the more you say, well, I believe in this, and Kennedy was assassinated by, by the CIA, and and, you know, uh, the UFO, the, uh, the, the UFO knots are going to come down and take over the world, and, you know, Guess where your article's going to go? <laughs> um, okay, and again, if you're not sure the reporter understands your main points, ask him or her to repeat themselves, and, av and that avoids misconceptions and misquotations. So th those are just some of the important, some of the brief topics. But <clears throat> keep those in mind. You know, and always remember, always, 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 you're interviewed. Steer them to where you want your message to be. Well, Ray Wallace faked amongst the tracks. Isn't it possible that? Well, yes, that that's true that that happened. You know, fortunately now we know a lot more about footprints than we did 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and and we kind of have some some litmus tests we use out in the field to deal with those. You know, such as measuring toe splay, measuring depth, and and stuff like that looking for dermal ridges. <laughs> it gives them, and it gives yourself an out, and again, steers the message to the positive. I, uh, Ted and Mad Dog, any comments, questions? Um, no, I've, uh, I'm taking notes about what you're saying about the uh, talking to the media. So it's, it's, no. it's, 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 <laughs> Ted, you wanted to say something. No, 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 I completely agree with this, Steve. It's a good point you're bringing up, the way you should uh, handle it. But uh, can I throw something else out there right now? Go right ahead. All right. As a researcher, Steve, you come upon validated pictures that you took yourself with footprints, casts. What do you do? <laughs> now that's a loaded question. Um, well, very simple. Uh, the, the first thing I would do is take these pictures and get them off to some kind of photographic authority. One that comes to mind, and you see him a lot on the UFO programs, is uh, Dr. Bruce McAvee, who was a NASA photographic analyst. 
um, and ask him to at least not necessarily comment on if need be, because you know cryptozoology is not his field, but at least to, to make a statement that the photograph appears, appears to be real and unaltered. And the same thing with the cast. You get them out to the people who deal with cast, Dr. Meldrum, Dr. Bindernagel, just to name a couple off the top of my head. All right, you know, now these are pictures you took. These are pictures you took. All right, now what you're doing is validating through an outside source, pictures that are unalterated. Correct. Then from okay. there, the, the pictures, obviously, and the only primatologist I can think of off the top of my head is Esteban Sarmentio, um, and he's actually here in New York. Um, he's at the Museum uh, of Natural History. Okay. Yep. And maybe have him look it over and, and, and get his opinion on it. I mean, basically, all you can have with photographs and cast your opinions. You don't still have the the coup de gras. Um, there's still some people out there that feel that a picture, a good picture, will solve the mystery. I don't think so. It may be, bring more people into the mystery if there's a really good one. But as we've seen with the Patterson-Gimlin film, it's just going to be debated and debated and debated. So where do you go from there? Well, you just keep you trying... You keep trying to get some biological evidence that can support the claims of the picture. Because once you have pictures and casts and some kind of biological evidence, then you have the, 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 you have the triple crown. You have everything you need. You know, and as long as your data is accurate and your times are accurate and your chain of evidence is maintained, in other words, making sure that if the evidence leaves your hands, that it's documented, that it goes to this person, and then it comes back to you and stuff like that, it's going to be pretty hard not to say there's something to this. I don't know if it's an end-all definitive proof, but it's definitely going to make science take a harder look. Yeah, but how far does science want to go to get the concrete proof? That's what I'm afraid of. Well, it's, I it's, think... It's if you understand what I'm saying, because I don't want these creatures hurt at all. Well, well it, you know, it, it's been it, it's been the thought that you know the killing of one may save the rest of them. You know, and I'm not saying I necessarily believe that, but if you know a body can be found or a body can be whatever. Um, yeah, there, there's things about these creatures we don't understand. Their disease etiology, uh, encroachment issues, stuff like that, that down the road we can work on. So. Yeah, but Steve, you know yourself, and, and, and your guest knows also that <clears throat> scientists are going to pick everything apart. They want to be able to physically... See, touch, and smell what, what, you, what you're trying to prove. And if they can't do that, then they're going to be skeptic and, skeptics and say, sorry, uh, yeah, you got a good footprint. That's nice. Where's, where's the, where is all the, the physical evidence? I mean, you, you may have a hair. You may have a footprint. You may have pictures. You're not going to be, they're not going to be satisfied until they get a body in front of them. That's the sad part. Well, I agree. And, and that's... That's the interesting thing of this, though. If you got a footprint and you got a photograph and you know they're real, rock solid, real, everything is good to go. In that area, there's got to be some kind of biological evidence, urine, feces, hair, something somewhere. And you just kind of make it your task that when you have all these things, not to get overwhelmed and forget the little minor details because that little hair, that little minor detail, can turn this into nothing into something in a real big heartbeat. So, and I think, um, and I think that even then, the media, the media would have to accept it, you know. Which will never happen. You know for a fact that the media, I'm sorry to say, is never going to accept unless you bring a physical body in and every scientist in the world says, yep, that's Bigfoot, that's the only way they're going to accept any evidence, you know. I got to mute out here, guys. Come on. All right. Okay. 
Attack of the Killer Dachshund. <laughs> um, and, and you're right. You're right. The media loves to, to pick. And, and that's why if you get these predicates that at least your, your, your video or pictures have been examined, your foot castings have been examined, you have the documentation to back that up, that these are legitimate, these are, are, are not altered, at least that can't sway the media and the saying that you faked it. Well, here's the letters of authenticity. We went out and we searched third parties to take a look at it. You know, um, but too many, like I said, the media outlets, you got to remember, they hear about Bigfoot sightings. It's business to them. This sells. Bigfoot sells. Bigfoot in the news sells. It gets people looking at the blogs, looking at their newspapers, and hopefully, if it draws, um, you know, uh, uh, for example, um, you know, I, I myself am a journalist. I write for theexaminer.com. Yeah, a story comes on the line. Heck, yeah, I'm going to post it. Why? Because people are going to come and look to it. And, you know, there's ads on that paper. And that's how the media outlet gets paid, by people by placing those ads. And if they can say we have X amount of looks every day, those ads are going to pay for the, the paper to run. But, yeah, <laughs> do we want to put up stories of you know, people looking at Bigfoot and finding Bigfoot? Absolutely. I come from a, I, I come from an investigator and researcher's outlook. So at least in that point, I can say that I'm not um, – worried about being cynical or poking fun at anybody in particular. Now, there was an article I did write recently about a report that came from another media outlet. <coughs> now, you have to all excuse me. I'm getting, I have a touch for the bronchitis, and I've been fighting it for the last week, so I'm a little bit hoarse tonight. Um, but if you uh, look at this article, it's you know, I, I did interdict some humor, but I didn't really make fun of, per se, the field, and I try not to. I just said that, you know, the uh, the man who allegedly got injured was drunk, intoxicated, fell into a gully, and he said he saw a Bigfoot, and that's what caused him to fall into the gully. <clears throat> but apparently he was so rowdy that he had to be removed from the place he was at. So, you know, he was left in detention to sober up. And that was the end of the story. And, of course, I added the little comment that, you know, the Bigfoot was, you know, not charged in the incident. But that's true. I mean, you're going to have cases. <clears throat> a couple of years ago, there was a, I think, a rapist that was a serial rapist in New Hampshire that was convicted. And he said he did it because he was raped as a child by Sasquatch, you know, and was serious about it. But... That just goes to show you about the mental illness ideologies of some people. And, um, you know, Lauren Coleman often writes about that serial killer out there in, in the West Coast who hid in the national parks and who said that he had had a couple of Sasquatch encounters. I mean, do we believe that or not believe that because the guy's a serial killer? I, I mean, these are all questions that we have to ponder. Um, and, we, and it's not an easy topic to get into. It's not a UFO sighting where you see something in the air and that's it. It's over with. It's done with. These are Some of these things are very intense. Some of these things are, are very real to people. And uh, who's playing Yahtzee? Me. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I mean, your questions, your thoughts, guys. Well, there's one thing that I'll tell you about sniper school in the military. You know what they're told? Leave them alone. So our government knows that they're there. They're just letting the media play with us. They snipers are told to leave them alone. Well, there is, and we had uh, Sergeant... Todd Neese, and I believe he is back over in the Middle East, and God bless him, and thank 
you for your service, Todd, if you ever get to listen to this particular program. But um, uh, he mentioned that in the Special Forces Manual, there is a section about what to do in a Sasquatch encounter. And you're right. It's right in their Special Forces Manual. And uh, that in and of itself is pretty amazing that they would do that. If this is not to exist, quote unquote, um, I, you know, we've talked to, uh, and I'm sure some of us have talked to park rangers off the record, and they'll be the first ones to tell you, oh, yeah, I've had a sighting off the record. But of course, we maintain, um, we maintain our professionalism, and if it's off the record, it's off the record. We can't use it. But I can tell you that myself and a couple of fellow researchers all have been told by a park ranger at one time or another that, yeah, they've seen these things. They believe in them. They've had encounters. But it's a one-way ticket to the door if you were to admit that these things exist. It's like a pilot saying, yeah, he saw a UFO. He's grounded. Same thing. No, John, actually, and JC has a question, does it say open fire, which is funny, <laughs> but in, in, I believe in the case of the manual, its strategy is containment, not to basically harass the creatures. So that I find interesting in of itself, too. But then again, if they open fire and kill one, then the government would have to come out and say, well, yeah, we... we we proved it, or there's going to be somebody out there that says, well, I was a, you know, a corporal in, in an army platoon, and we actually shot one of these things down, and we had the body, and the military took it, you know, so that's why I think their strategy is containment. <clears throat> so, all right, we have about five minutes left to show, and uh, it's gone by fast, needless to say, as usual. Um, way fast. But, uh, you know, I'll leave uh, Teddy with some final thoughts of the night for himself. Well, down here, the investigation is being dropped. And, Steve, you know which one I'm talking about. Yep. Um, there is another possibility uh, about 15 miles away from where I'm at right now. I will update people as I do some uh, poking around in the woods. I'll let everybody know on that. I won't tell you where it's at, but I'll, I'll keep everybody updated. Uh, but the original uh, area is I'm dropping the investigation totally. Um, so actually, you concur, you concur with my original synopsis then. My right, exactly. Was that these people most likely had encountered something, but it affected their psyche and everything became Sasquatch afterwards. Which is what exactly. I said. And, and that's what I said two years ago. So it still stands. But it had, I, but it had to, but it had to be checked out further. You know, yeah, and I did. And coming back two years later was the perfect opportunity to see if things were were not. And that's another thing, too, folks. Never be afraid to come back to an old investigation. Um, you know, um, and uh, finally, uh, with three minutes left, we have the Mad Dog. Your thoughts on tonight's discussion? Um, you know, I, I was just listening to, it, it, to what you guys were saying, and and you know, I I wouldn't put uh, much uh, credibility to the to the press. Um, I agree that if somebody was to see something <clears throat> unexplained, they should contact a researcher that's in the field already, such as yourself. Give them you the information that they have, um, and not go and blab to everybody and the, their brother about what they saw, because if somebody does that right away, then yes, they're out for their 15 minutes of fame, and they're going to get discredited and raked through the coals and made to look like uh, a buffoon, which is hard on you, the researcher, you know, both of you guys, 
the researchers of Sasquatch or any any field um, that you're going to be looked um, ridiculed at. Oh, you're looking at this, you're looking at that. You know, you guys are whatever. You know, you got to keep your your heads up. You got to keep your your focus strong, and uh, you know, keep moving forward. You just can't. Uh, Jump at everything and say, "Yep, you're right. That was that was um, a Bigfoot or a UFO or a big green monster." You gotta look and look at the evidence, look at what's going on, and then take it from there. And you find something like yourself, you go to you go to experts and say, "Can you validate this? Can I get your opinion on this?" And they could say, "Yep, that's my opinion. That's that's the honest truth." Or they can say, "Here, you know, you're full of crap and so on and so forth." But that's the way to do it. Very good. And, folks, that's coming from somebody who's an outsider to the Bigfoot world. So, I mean, uh, the mad dog isn't really, you know, a cryptozoologist or a researcher. He's just lately been looking, since he's been doing the fill-in stuff, he's keeping a keen interest from an outsider's point of view. So that's right from an outsider there. And I think it has a lot of merit, and sometimes that's important to get their perspective. Um, as for me, well, I've said enough tonight, <laughs> and I want to thank Ted Petrosini for coming on tonight, sitting on the table, and, uh, of course, our good friend, the Mad Dog, for filling in tonight, and, uh, folks, we'll catch you next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Sunday night, Squatch Detective Radio, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Squatch Detective or squatchdetectiveradio.com. Or you can always visit us at SquatchDetective.com. And, folks, we'll catch you all next week. God bless. Be safe. And, uh, you know, if anything hits, we'll be the first to let you know. Give us a shout. Talk to you later. Peace out. Later, Steve. Oh, man.